Athlete Radio. This week, the crew answers tons of your questions from Instagram. Inquiries range from hamstring and quad injuries to how to construct the ideal gym to hypotheticals about sitting down and having a beer with anyone dead or alive. Tex also piques everyone's interest when he describes the best meal he's ever had in his life. Luke drops details on the symposium speakers and new content coming out of the Power Athlete Academy, while John continues to preach the proper gym etiquette. Does the terrorism approach of see something, say something hold up in a globo gym? To find out, tune in now. This is episode 219. Power Athlete Nation on on what is up. You got Luke, Tex, and John circled around uh, my table in my kitchen for hopefully the last fucking time. Well, probably two more weeks until we build out the podcast room. Because we got internet. (laughs) Victory! (laughs) It was a long, arduous process, but it uh, only took us seven and a half months. Seven and a half months, lots of fucking routers that don't work, random wires, and And, a uh, lot of duct tape. uh, No fucking joke. And lots of emails to Celia. Mm -hmm. So Celia at Spectrum, if you guys want to email her. Um, really has done a, a hell of a job on uh, delaying, really dragging your feet and not getting mm-hmm. us internet. Well, I don't know what the big deal is because I just went online and got AT&T to my apartment pretty darn easy. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what happens. So Tex is moving out of his roommate's house <laughs> and into his own house for, is it the first time in your life, Tex? In your first Solo? 30 years? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is the first time you ever lived by yourself. Solo, yeah. I'm used to just degenerates living with them. So then you said goodbye to your dad. Mm-hmm. A big yeah. hug. Big hug. Did you bring your baseball mitt? Because I, I heard uh, Luke told me your dad wants you to take your baseball mitt. And well, it was like, like boots, baseball mitt, like hey, Luke, trophies. Hey, make sure Tex takes his baseball mitt. Yeah. I mean, he was trying to pawn everything off on you. Just I throw it in the know. fucking trash. Just get rid of it. People, enough about us. Updates from Power Athlete HQ. A, by the time you were reading this or hearing this, uh, registration is open for semester two of the methodology course, correct? True or false, Tex? Fact. Now, here's a problem for you slackers out there. If you are a freshie listening to this on Friday, pre-sale is going right now, and uh, we've sold nine. It's only been out for five seconds. So uh, you better not, if, if we actually have spaces to sell on Friday, you better not wait. That's number one. Number two. El Duble. El, El Dos is Power Athlete Symposium, December 8th in Austin, Texas, 8th, 9th, and 10th. Uh, is going to be a P-A-R-T-Y. So go check that out. Power well, at- you made a mistake, Luke. You only included one R. Yeah. Uh, P-A-R-R-T-Y no, we because I've got to. No, we party with two R's. Get in here. Uh, powerathletehq.com slash symposium. Get some, there's going to be more info up there. We're going to be announcing speakers next week. But we're probably going to talk a little bit about that in the show. So stay tuned because my buddy Kurt Hansen asked about it. Uh, what else? Any other updates from us? Gym's getting built. Man, we got we laid some rubber. Mm-hmm. So we got rubber going down. Um, Malls doors. Uh, once I finish swapping the fluids on this forklift, we <laughs> will. Swapping the fluids. <laughs> Sounds like a, my Saturday night. <laughs> Get it? Is, uh, is uh, Packy's nickname the forklift now? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, she couldn't fucking forklift if she tried. You know, so, um, yeah, we added a forklift to the Power Athlete stable of uh, odd vehicles, mm-hmm. and um, it required a... Swapping of fluids, so that's what I've been doing out in the hundred degree sun today. So, but here, uh, full. I have a confession to make. If anyone pays attention to consistency of our posts, the last um, crew 
episode post where I asked for questions text. Do you remember how we filmed it at the gym? And I said, this is probably the last time you're going to see it this way. Well, John, that was because that's when the day the doors were supposed to be installed, the garage <laughs> doors. So I guess just, do you want to give the, you want to tell a brief story on how we got fucked in the ass by the bay door guy? Yeah. Well, they brought in the doors to install them and I know this seems odd, but they were the wrong color. So the guys get the doors up. I'm like, aren't they supposed to be gray? At which point they said, no, the doors are supposed to be white. And they looked at the deal and they said, no, they're supposed to be gray. So they took them down and uh, they told me they had to you know, reorder them, which would take two weeks. And then it took three weeks. And so. Well, even before that, though, uh, yeah, they told the me guys, well, the guys, who, working days. the guys who built the built the barn or the, the shop didn't future it for the doors. So then we had to tear all that shit down. And then these guys finally get the fucking doors put in. And then it was um, this Monday. What, yeah. Was it or last Monday? No, yeah, it was last last Monday, you're like, get your fucking ass home. We got work to do. And we had to fucking skin the inside. Like all these intricate fucking all right. okay. well, wheel cuts. Yeah, dude. so so we um, the guys skinned the inside of the building, but the doors weren't in when they skinned it. So the uh, lazy ass contractor. He, um, the guys just skinned it, and when they went to put the doors in, they took the skin down, installed the doors, and realized that they didn't make any provisions for us to tie in the skin. So I had to go buy a bunch of base angle and attach it, and then Luke and I had to get up there and Michelangelo these cuts, uh, which should have been for non-morons. Should have been about a day's worth of work. Nah, but Ours, we had never done this. Yeah, before. yeah, no. I mean, we've never uh, put skin into a metal building, and so it turned into which what I estimated because when I went to go get the scissor lift, the guys like, "How long do you need it?" I'm like, oh, "A full day will be fine." Yeah. Three days later, uh, as we've been up there, I don't know, 18 hours or something, we finally get done with uh, skinning the inside of this building. You know, thank God we had our form in there to point a finger and tell us how dumb we are. So I was uh, I was talking with one of our friends out here about building out gyms and you know, she was like, uh, you know, we're all about safety, this, that, and the other thing, talking about safety protocols and dude text. Like I'm picturing from your vantage point when John and I are on the scissor lift on the extended part that had <laughs> bent cause there's too much fucking weight. I'm holding a piece leaning over, like leaning over as you wheel grind and the sparks are going like in my eyes and mouth. <laughs> like, and I'm laughing cause I'm like, this is just, and you're cutting towards me. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're into safety too. <laughs> no, no, we're not. I, I like. I wasn't even wearing glasses. I was just closing my eyes and yeah. cutting these pieces towards me. <laughs> yeah, towards you uh, on but, a scissor lift. But at least I didn't take the guard off of the five-inch angle grinder. That isn't. Yeah, but it would have gone a lot faster if you did. Yeah. So, well, it, in yeah, retrospect, in retrospect, I should have just taken the guard <laughs> off. I could have got some more Michelangelo cuts. Oh, God. But uh, we basically cut all this metal skin and then attached it, uh, and it looks it looks awesome. I mean, uh, it was. It was uh, a lot of work, but it came out well, mm -hmm. and I think we would have done a better job than any other hacks. Oh, for sure. And what's frustrating, though, is like, you know, flow, we have all the equipment there. Like, the, the beautiful Sorenex racks are just, like, are laying there, you I know? know? I know. And for two and a half weeks, we've just been waiting on those fucking guys to fix the door. And then here we are. So we're on a fucking sprint to try and I think we're up and running this weekend, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. my no, God. That's a lot of work. I mean, I'm going to try to uh, go back and uh, put some more fluid, finish putting all the fluids in the, in the forklift. And then, um, and then the, uh, the, the propane tank shows up tomorrow because the forklift I got doesn't have a propane tank. So I had to order one, uh, go get propane in the morning. And uh, at that point we'll get the forklift off of the trailer and get rocking and we'll start moving <sighs> stuff, Ooh. which I'm very excited for the use of unloading the pod and basically building the gym with the use of a forklift because mm -hmm. uh, we've been the forklift for a number of years yeah, yeah. and uh, it's going to cut our work in from like four days down to like half a day. Half a day. 
You heard it here, folks. Half a day gym setup. There's no, no. Fun. It's going to take us half a day to figure out where all the bolts I took out go to what equipment. <laughs> <laughs> How do we put this monolift back together? We're going to have to call Louie. Hey, Lou, I need yeah. to put a monolift together. Well, you're fucked. I buy a new one. <laughs> but it is nice that we have all the vertical space and the forklift to, like, I guess, hold everything, right? Straps, so we're not fucking. That would yeah. be, I see what you're saying now. I'm seeing the big picture now, John. It yeah. takes me some time. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's nice too with the forklift is it's got triple mass, so it'll go up nice and high. Mm-hmm. So that means when we go and do the lighting and anything that we want to do, like, hey, like, let's put in some speakers, mm-hmm. we can actually use the forklift to jack up and put those speakers in. Okay. Instead of being like, okay, let's go rent a scissor lift or get a fucking really long ladder or stand on Texas shoulders. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know? Even though I could fucking gym jam around on that scissor lift now, dude, that's fucking, that yeah. little joystick driver, no problem. Well, you know, the, my favorite part about the scissor lift is actually driving it around at full extension. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's With the, the big what? warning sign. <laughs> the, yeah, I was going to say. Don't do that. And Texas up there, like, shouldn't we be doing that? Ah, it's suggested. Well, <laughs> I did read the warnings on the side of the, the new forklift, and it strictly there's this big picture of a guy <laughs> being raised up on the forks and a big like, circle, like, like no smoking Stamp. Ghostbusters Yeah, like stamp. do not fucking lift people on well, this. Well, no, they, they actually make platforms. Uh-huh. So that, so they're like a, a platform that have some guards that you put on and then you raise them up. I know they make it, but I know you're not going to get it. Yeah, we're just going to make our own. <laughs> yeah, It's totally. called plywood. No, we're going to make it out of metal. With some, Yeah, don't worry about it, dude. We'll be fine. I got a coat hanger. I got some a car battery. We're going to stick well with coat gorilla hanger, glue. car hanger. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Gorilla Glue and... Um, uh, Dental rubber f- rubber cement. Yeah. I mean, it's really and easy. Dental floss. And dental floss. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, we'll right. be fine. Just so we got some hold, questions. Hold uh, my beer. JB <laughs> Weld. JB Weld. We got some questions, right, Tex? Oh, we got a lot of questions. Is there any anything that makes you happy, or should we start with the questions that make you sad? Um, well, uh, I guess Logan, the functional coach, the king of social media, asks, what's going on with your face? John? Oh, me? Yeah. Listen, people. Yeah. Okay. Here's what ruined the beard. All you skinny fucking skinny fat dad bods out there rocking a beard like you got a chiseled jaw under there. What I'm doing is I'm proving that this jawline is a jawline worthy of a Batman mask. I think that we could all agree that this is a superhero jawline. Well, I just like your uh, Cousin Eddie homeless fucking mustache you got working <laughs> Well, here's with. the thing. You're busting my balls on this beard, which I thought was, you know, a pretty good beard. I wasn't mad oh, at no, it. No, no. It, it was a phenomenal beard. So I figured, what does John want less than a decent, <laughs> decently shaved beard? I'm like, ah, how about this weird fucking creepy rape band mustache? Uh, you know, I had a, I had that mustache when I did the uh, the Mark Ripto yeah, starting remember. strength. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's with such a sleazy mustache. I actually, I think I might grow back with as bad as my hair is looking right now. Yeah, that's right. You got like the McConaughey going oh, like, uh, dude. Uh, I'm going, you know what I'm going for here? Actually, this is what I'm going for is true detective season two fucking, uh, Colin, Colin Farrell, Farrell look. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Huh. That's it. That's what I'm going for. I can see it. Yeah. Uh, I need a gold chain though. I feel like, oh, we can and take- a drinking problem. Yeah. Well, just a gold chain. <laughs> All right. Let's kick this off. So I got a good pretty good one for us to start and it has to do with shoes in most of your training videos and pics you y'all are wearing vans or flat-footed shoes is there a reason for this do you recommend them for everyone using power athletes training found on train heroic yes next Next question question. okay do we want to talk about why i'm going to tell the why Okay. okay so here's why i one first off is budget we can all agree on budget like they're 
40 to 60 bucks, depending on if you get the fancy ones, right? You get the classics. They're very durable. They have a very, they have reinforced lateral toe box and lateral foot seams. So you can change direction in them. They have non-slip grip on soles. So you can actually do some sprinting and shit. And they're, they're, there's no arch support. So you don't fucking get your feet fucked up. Right. And I've been wearing them since I was roughly probably three years old. Mm-hmm. So. And they're just cool. And um, what's nice about them is they're nice and flat. You can change direction, like Luke said. And, yeah, they have uh, no real uh, support. They're totally flat. So it forces you to strengthen your feet. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the whole min- minimalist shoe because then you look like some, you know, Austin hipster vegan mm-hmm. taco eater guy. And, uh, you know, but, you know, they're good. They work great. And, um, yes, we recommend them, and that's all we wear. I haven't – I mean, Tex, you just threw on the Nano's – like fresh nanos, right? That we get sixes, I think. Yeah, and just it's like three days, and you feel my feet getting flatter. Yeah, yeah, they don't feel good, but so, it's better than ruining some vans. And for me, honestly, I'm just fucking cheap, and they're they're cheap. I'm cheap. It's a good relationship. If you blow through them, you go fucking spend forty bucks getting freshy. Well, actually, what you do is you have three stages. At least I do. I have the really old shitty ones that I wear for work. Uh, like when we're doing any construction stuff, then I have like the medium ones that are on their mm-hmm. way. And then I have the nicer ones. When the nice one gets bumped up, I just kind of throw yep, them away. Throw them and then rotation. I just work this rotation. And uh, so it's just kind of this three rotation pair. Boom. Easy answer. Okay. All right. So into some training. Last time we did a crew, we started nutrition. Let's kick off with training. <clears throat> this is from our boy, Greg Boyd, Tennessee. Uh, I know he's got a lot of sons training, but he asked us here, if an athlete is prone to hamstring pulls, what are some areas to focus on? I thought we were starting with nutrition. No, no, we did, no, last, we did that last oh, time. Okay, okay. The repeater? Are you crazy? All right, so what's up? Uh, hamstring pulls? So, yes. Uh, so what are some causes or areas to focus on? Uh, doing what? So are we talking about hamstring pulls when sprinting? Are we Probably about- sprinting when sprinting was reintroduced into a field strong or a sprinting focus. So uh, the biggest, and we, we've all seen this, I mean, I, I, I can almost spot a hamstring pull when I see a change in horizon. So when you take off running, if all of a sudden you're, you're, you pick a point and as you start running, that point starts picking up and I see the horizon change. In your uh, view, like your vision, yeah, right? Yeah. So I'll like, and, and, and I've watched it. When you come out in that sprint, all of a sudden people are in a really great position. Then all of a sudden as they get tired or they start getting winded or fatigued or something, all of a sudden the horizon changes. They lift their head, which effectively lifts their chest. And now they get they go from having a forward lean into a more vertical position. And then the knee, as it goes up, starts reaching and they start pulling. And normally we get a hamstring pull with that. So my biggest thing is what I look for is a change in horizon. Now, why does that happen? It's either out of shape, bad technique, not understanding that they need to keep a good forward lean. I mean, there's a million different things. It could be the fact that it's uh, you, you know too you, far a distance, and they haven't been coached. Uh, they don't understand our. I mean, there, there's a, there's not just one factor. Yes. But I think the thing that we're really starting to see, um, really just universally, just through info emails, uh, things on the forum, uh, threads on Train Heroic, uh, you know, emails to questions. I mean, we're hitting, getting hit in like about 20 different places on this is that people do not feel comfortable sprinting. Mm-hmm. And it's either we haven't armed them with the information or we need to start putting something together, which is to you know really uh, help people. But the reason that I've designed a lot of these dynamic warmups and a lot of the sprint prep is that the technique and the movements that you do in the sprint prep, like the high knees, the uh, 
A skips, B skips, and C skips, a lot of the just different movements are little pieces of sprint technique that allow you to carry over. So what we maybe we're just having to disconnect and we have to go back and try to connect uh, I, some more dots. Yeah, I would love to get some on film. So in my move, I actually um, just pulled my bookshelf and I had a little note, um, sticky note fall out and I picked it up and it was from Charlie Francis and... Uh, I Charlie sent it. you a sticky note? No, it was from my notes from the book. But the, it answers this question. Essentially, um, jumping on with John, it could be one of two things. One technique and the other being biomechanics. So essentially how the athlete moves in general. Why they change horizon, right? How their CNS deals with stress. So it could be out of shape and the, the other issues John discussed. But then... Um, Personally, not to cut you off, I think you, before you go on, that big ping out of shape. Now, when we say that, people don't really understand what we mean. It doesn't mean that you're out of shape. What it means is that you're not in shape to sprint. Right. And so that, this is yeah. this is something that is so hard for people to understand. Like I had a guy today on the Johnny Wad be like, oh, I haven't done CrossFit workouts in a long time. And I'm like, dude, these aren't necessarily CrossFit workouts. Just because you see a mixed modal workout that's you know pushing glycolytic capacity doesn't mean that it's CrossFit. If you're going out and you're running or doing something, it does not necessarily mean that you're sprinting. So are you in shape? Have you been doing enough training within the confines of the weight room and enough outside type movement with, you know, change of direction, movement prep, all these different key factors to allow you to be in good enough shape to be able to go out and sprint at max intensity? Because if you, I mean, if anyone listening has followed the Speed Kills program, which is a pure sprint program that we put together, the warm-up itself is is trying. I think it's going to be like a, a beatdown for a lot of well, folks because they're just, be. and yeah. And I, yeah. I think that's was the disconnect or a disconnect, John, is that a lot of the folks that kind of come into this sprint thing and kind of evolve through their athlete's journey or whatever you want to call it, exercise journey are used to like where you workouts where you can get away with a neck roll arm circle and get after it and not hurt yourself because it's low, relatively low intensity and very simple movement patterns and the demands By of doing intensity though we mean a percentage of yes, one rm exactly not, not not your emotional effort so, right so make that distinction it's, right because you could do body weight fucking burpees and they could be emotionally intense but the movement pattern is not loaded not uh you're not going to hit maximal velocities right and it's just it's going to be relatively closed and safe and that's just kind of how the the group class dynamic works but when you get out and you fucking you sprint slightly faster than tex on hill sprints let's say i won that race but ah yeah you know i don't know so to tie <laughs> tie all this together what we want to accomplish with those warm-ups is correcting the biomechanics mm -hmm. so while it is focusing on technique it's preparing your biomechanics for the stress so how we communicate sprinting uh, in all of our articles and how speed kills is laid out, we're attacking three limiting factors for speed, posture, position, and patterning. So if there is a limitation within your biomechanics, are those three, is that three P's? It, John, I love your three P's. So that's why we went posture, position, patterning. Yeah. For the so speed. there's could, three P. Could that be three P part two? Well, no, this is the there's third, third three, three P's. P's. <laughs> Persistent pursuit of perfection, perfection, practical, prudent, practical, purposeful, prudent, posture, Position, position and patterning patterning, patterning. Uh, john I, I know how you love to beat a dead horse so that's why we jumped into this but so this is our opportunity oh, to I, attack both of i know this stuff i just really enjoy hearing it over and over again oh i, I know that's what's that's why we watch the same movie over and over again 
And that's why we which, watch the same movie over and over again. And honestly, that's why we watch the same movie over and over again. We do need to watch Writing Crashers soon as a, like, John, let's get, like, maybe a, a do get this gym set up, maybe get a case of beer, have some friends come over, get some hot dogs or something, and let's watch fucking Wedding Crashers. I've been watching clips. It's pretty good. I got to watch it full. Okay. Yeah, or uh, Tropic Thunder. Ooh, I'm a both. dude trying to be a dude playing another hey, dude. Can we just watch both? Um all right, barreling Ooh. forward. Barreling forwards, Greg. So we got to change something. Either biomechanics. So uh, just a quick rundown. You say you reach your chin on a pull-up. That's poor biomechanics, and that stress from that would show up creating, in your sprint. And that's so, creating a negative pattern. Right. So right. that's what I mean by biomechanics. So it's connected, but it's separate from technique. Okay. You got another one, Luke? That's it. Oh, you reach your chin on all sorts of stuff. You could be pull-ups. It could be chin-ups. It could be deadlifts. It could be squatting. It could be walking into a bar looking for somebody. Same. What's up? Yeah. It could be low rows, high rows, high bar back squats, low bar back squats, medium bar back squats. You can reach on all that stuff. Yeah. It's good. Dead bugs. Oh, here you go, John. While we're building the gym, George... Sterner asked, I recently found damage to the concrete underneath the rubber stall mats in my basement gym. What is the best way to protect the floor from heavy weights being dropped on it? Thank you. Ooh. Um, well, there's a couple ways. One, uh, are we talking about metal plates on rubber? How thick is your rubber? So are you running with a one quarter, quarter inch, quarter yeah. inch, half, three eighths? Uh, we're running three fourths of an inch stall mats. And then also I conditioned our concrete with something that's called Densifier. And so Luke and I went out there on a real hot day and we sprayed a bunch of this chemical on there. Mm-hmm. No masks. No that's masks. how we roll. Yeah, it's, well, <laughs> <laughs> dangerous, my middle name. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't an enclosed area. It was open air, so we're totally fine. Uh, so we, put, we sprayed this Densifier that theoretically is supposed to increase the strength of the concrete by 45%. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is I would probably have to look at your concrete, but is it a, I would imagine it's probably a 3,000 PSI concrete. Uh, ideally, you'd want a 5,000 PSI concrete. How mm-hmm. thick is the concrete? How far? What kind of rebar was it? Number three, number four? How, you know, what were the centers? Was it 12, 16-inch centers? You know, there's a lot of key factors, so we don't really know how old is the concrete. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it wet? Um, if it's in a basement, is it, you know, do they have a moisture barrier? So is it even no- concrete at all? You know, what if it's sand? What, it could just be road-based that they just watered and watered. So, uh, But retrofitting, let's un, say you un, don't have control over that retrofit, you could build a platform as well. Yeah, you could build a platform or you could stack more rubber on top or mm-hmm. you could use rubber plates or uh, really the easy fix at least is go online, look for some densifier, put in concrete densifier, look at it, uh, order it, come down, treat the, treat the floor, so spray it on, let it dry increases density of the concrete and then i'd say look for a thicker rubber at least three-fourths of an inch and maybe run one or two and then start using maybe some rubber plates so going into budget again john so if you get two if you have to get two more things two more pieces of rubber they're what 50 bucks a piece yeah 30 40 but you could also just get four pieces of plywood and go side by side cross cross and then some fucking drywall screws and then with whatever rubber you have on there I don't know. I'm always thinking cheap because how much is this uh, six by four piece of plywood? 
Uh, the nicest stuff you can buy is probably 30 bucks a sheet. Yeah, that's the, too the expensive. Most expensive stuff. Yeah. That's the thickest. I mean, the stuff yeah, that I bought was... Like the was, half inch fucking... Yeah, I mean, I bought half inch, uh, you know, really nice plywood and that stuff, that grade one really nice stuff was probably, I think it was like 28 bucks a piece. So you can buy cheaper plywood. But, I mean, if you really wanted to go over the top and you wanted to do it right, you'd probably put the dense fire down and then worry about it. But mm-hmm. the cheaper way, just put more rubber. There you go. But uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know if it's good or bad, uh, I've had to get a pretty big uh, education on concrete within the last couple months, just uh, building the building and uh, hanging out with uh, our neighbor who um, you know, proceeds to tell us how stupid we are all the time, that mm-hmm. we don't know everything there is to know about concrete. So now you know. Now you can answer this question. Yeah, be like, what you know? What is it? Three thousand, five thousand psi? How thick is it? You know, what kind of rebar does it have? You know, how far is the rebar spaced? I mean, are there grade beams? You know, like you know, is there a moisture barrier? What what's underneath there? Do they put road base? Is there sand? Like you know, is it wet? I mean, because if concrete stays wet all the time, it gets real flaky, and can end up cracking. Huh, so there you go. Uh, there's a bunch of key factors, especially if it's in a basement. Asked, answered. How many questions we got down so far? Ten or eleven? I think it's two. Two? Two. Both. Both. Make it happen, Tex. All right. When attempting to prior- prioritize family, workout, sleep, and anything else that comes into life, have you ever pushed your fitness to the back burner? All the time. First if off. So, <laughs> if so, how did you personally get on track? And there's a sub-question here. Okay. If you could have a beer with anyone... Who would it be and why? All the time, training partner that can hold you accountable. Uh, typically, we're black, whenever we approach Black Friday and symposium season, like my, it's shot for me. And then this year with the move, my training was just moving, helping move like all the shit from the gym into that fucking pod. And then who would I have a share of beer with? Anyone, dead or alive, or just alive? Well, let's go with alive. Alive. That changes my answer because it was going to be L. Ron Hubbard. Ooh. I want to know how he did it. Well, so Tom Cruise is the next best thing, right? Uh, I guess Tom Yeah, Tom Cruise. Let's do it. I'll share a beer with Tom Cruise. Does he drink beer? I thought he Pretty did. good arm swing. I thought that he Tom did great. Cruise. I thought and he the, uh, the blood of young boys. If he needs that, they will get that for him. I assure you that. And by they, I mean his squadron of fucking, uh, fucking uh, uh, Scientologists. He has a staff of like 30 people who just, their answer is to get him, or their job is to get him whatever the fuck he asked for. So if he wants like a thousand green 30, jelly beans. 30 people? That their only job is to make sure he gets he, what he wants. He gets green jelly beans. That's all he well, needs. How is that a life to live? Tom Cruise's? Sounds fucking amazing. No, one of those 30 so, people. Oh, I don't know. So uh, Well, that's what I want uh, to find out, hence I, having a beer with him. Or, no, you want 30 people to do whatever you say. <laughs> Shh, Dad. Tom, Tom how do, Tommy, how do we do that? So but, I don't know. Was that a good answer on getting back on track? You just got to fucking get into it and go. You know, if you if you fall off the training wagon, you just fucking get back into it. Uh, I would I would say don't go right into an intensity sprint day. No, any, absolutely any not. Any other no, answer. For and realize you, one, <laughs> and then and then hurt yourself and then don't do anything for a while. <laughs> Is that your move, John? Yeah, that's, that's. Is that why we haven't seen yet golds in a while? <laughs> why? How you've been at golds? No, nah, I'm not going to fucking golds. No, I'm I'm protesting until our gym's done. 
That's kind of, honestly that oh, I, is, I'm, I'm fucking protesting. As like, soon as we started cutting the metal, that's why I told Harry because yeah, I've been training at Harry Shaw's. I'm, I'm like, like, no, dude. Uh, Kate, Kate's a unit. My next workout. workout yeah. I'm like, my next workout will be at our fucking facility. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, we well, better get that shit done. I'm like, what do you think we fucking do every day? Sit around and record podcasts. Record podcasts. <laughs> talk about movies. <laughs> God uh, damn it. What about share a beer? Oh shit. Uh, anybody living? Um, man, I don't know. Um, Joey from Friends. Yeah, is he a real person? I didn't know that. I I don't know. I mean, yeah, Joey he, Lawrence or something. Yeah, you would. You mean the singer Joey Lawrence? Whoa, <laughs> that guy. Uh, so you you want to take a pass and text you? Yeah, I let know me you think got about one. it. All right, but I'm gonna give a boring answer. Shocker. <laughs> I'm warning you. So Luke, you can just. Um, phase out, but yeah, I'll, I'll count the dimples in the paint or something. Uh, Sounds good. I, I'll tell you. I mean, uh, I'm gonna the the only person that I would like to go share a beer with, and unfortunately he's not alive, but I'm still gonna name him is George Carlin. Okay. I am so sad that George Carlin didn't live to see Donald Trump become president, because uh, I would pay anything to hear George Carlin's commentary on, on the state of American politics right now. His Okay. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> you know, you sound like Sam Kinison in uh, Back to School. Good, good answer. answer. I'll be watching you. I like the way you think. I was going Family Feud. Good anyway. answer. Uh, I'm going Danny Kahneman. So he's a psychologist. And then Luke's boy, one of Luke's boys recommended a book to me, and I jumped on it. So that's The Undoing Project. Uh, but Danny Kahneman wrote another book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Mm. So essentially, it's... Um, breaks down human bias and how to effectively attack it in your decision making. So in any preparation for a big decision or hiring somebody or how to um, just intelligently argue and have a good conversation with somebody, he kind of breaks down these two approaches, thinking fast and thinking slow. So I'd recommend that book or The Undoing Project. And um, yeah, it's just how... One of the NBA teams, Houston Rockets, this guy's approach, uh, they take it into the draft room. So stats mean less and less when it comes to drafting kind of, you know, freshmen straight to the NBA. So how are we going to trust this kid with multi-million dollars? And this guy found, uh, the Houston Rockets guys found an approach based off psychology. Uh, So not statistics or watching film because those don't mean anything anymore. So kind of a cool approach and uh, interesting reads. So, boring answer. Riveting. Absolutely riveting uh, beer discussion. Uh, Remind me that I will be leaving the bar at that point. Uh, You're over there. Luke's over there slitting his wrist vertical, not horizontal. Well, just, you know, arguing is just yelling is at the top of your lungs the opposite of what the other person's saying, isn't it? Does it have to be any more complicated than that? No, I mean, you know, if you were a trained rhetorician. Is there anyone in the room that is? Let me pull the audience. (laughs) Any rhetoricians? Oh, Harry. You know, that idea of, you know, bringing in. Intelligent conversation, arguing against it, and you know, having a good time with it. Yeah, but the, the dude attacked economists. What amazes me is that all these economic models were built off of uh, people assuming that you make a logic logical decision. And he's like, no, humans are idiots. Mm-hmm. So that was that was what it brought it in. Yeah, it's interesting. You got to account for the Costanza, where he just does the opposite, right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Going rogue. All right, moving on. 
Uh, there is a commercial gym question. John, would you want to pass or answer this one? I'll take it. Okay. How to deal with slippery bars at commercial gyms for heavy deads, cleans, and etc. My numbers go way down with the slippery bar. Use straps or go heavier or embrace unideal training environment and see it as grip training. Uh, I would err on the side of chalk and straps. Mm-hmm. So strap up for bicep curls. Yes. I got it. But I mean, what, so what are you slipping on? Deadlifts and cleans, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you want to strap up for a deadlift, I mean, if you're really complaining about a slippery bar to the point that you're asking this question. He's still thinking or he's it, uh, died. No, he's passed I, out. I, like, slow I, thinking. I, yeah, I'm, you know, think fast, answer slow, I think is the way that that, you know, those guys really talk about it. Oh, okay. But the, uh, I just think you're stuck in the minutiae, dude. Like. I look at everything as, uh, you know, if the bar is slick, then you know what, then maybe I'll just put an asterisk on whatever my lift was that day. Uh, you know, I've gone in and I've squatted or benched on bars that were bent, and I looked at it like chaos theory. like you know, Yeah, why the fuck not? Yeah, why, why not? So uh, I don't really think, um, especially, you know, when I think about training, I think about consistency. So how is it that you are just randomly going to this one place that just happens to have a slippery bar? If you're training at the same place all the time and the bar is always slippery and that's the status quo, then, you know, reassess. So I, can't uh, you just do both? You know, some days go in, um, have some grip training. If it's really that big an issue, uh, grow bigger hands. Oh, (laughs) Oh, BK. Because uh, I'll tell you, dude, I've, I've lifted on some slick bars and all I have to do is put my fucking meat paws on it and squeeze that fucker harder, and I don't really have much of an issue. Uh, what about hook grip? Is that in uh, or out? If you want to hook grip a deadlift, uh, you're a better man than me. I watched a dude hook grip like 600 pounds on a deadlift, and I wanted to throw up. So. I can't believe it was deadlifting. That's crazy. To hey, me. Eric Peterson deadlifted 600 pounds with a hook grip. EP? Lots EP? of glitter. Well, yeah, he dude, was glittered out. Did he glitter bomb everybody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I'll tell enough. you, I... I I love the dude. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah. he's amazing. All right. <clears throat> Anyone in D.C. knows exactly who we're talking about. <laughs> All right. So let's get into I like this question here. So we from Gilbert S. What's up, guys? Long time, first time. I recently started powerlifting for the past two months, uh-huh. and I've seen some strides in my squat and deadlift. To my surprise, though, during a deload week, I tested my power clean and ripped 300 pounds for a 15-pound PR. Toes forward, of course. What gives, John? Do I need to do... Do I need to do power cleans to get more explosive, question mark? Um, there's a lot of explosive athletes that do not do any form of Olympic lifting. Uh, the Westside guys have never used it, but they do dynamic, you know, dynamic type movements with plyometrics and all the, you know, the bars, uh, you know, different, you know, deadlifts against chains, bands, and compensatory acceleration, accommodated resistance. So they're doing something dynamic. Um, Mark Ripto once made an interesting observation that he thought that the thing that the West Side guys did, which was so interesting, is they found a way to train the classical lifts, like this, or uh, the bench squat, deadlift, the big three, like Olympic lifters dynamically. And he thought there was some merit to that. So um, do you need to power clean to be explosive no does it help you become more explosive yes because there's no way to do the movement slowly 
just like there's no way to get up on a box. Like if you were to box jump on something, there's no way to jump up on a box slowly. So I think as long as you take that same approach, whether you bench, squat, deadlift, or whatever you do about never moving slowly, I think you're fine. And so I'm kind of creeping through the dude's account, younger guy, right? So early in his training life cycle. And I guess, what do we know about just getting reps as well? I mean, as you, as you start to sync things up and you go through the phases of coordination and that neurological adaptation, you're just going to get more powerful, right? And this is one of those fallacies going back to kind of the sprinting shit text that strength coaches fall into is like, well, you know, my kids got stronger and got faster. Well, that's only going to work for a certain period of time. So John, for like a more advanced lifter, somebody who has been doing it for five or six years. If you want to continue to get better at that dynamic movement, you have to train that way and overload that type of movement. You're not going to get as much carryover later in the training life cycle. Yeah, I mean, um, I think if all you do is move at the same speed concurrently through you know the you know the life of your training, um, you know you're never going to keep uh, you know gaining as fast as you should. So I think there's a really interesting deal at certain points in the year, and we do this within all the programs with Field Strong, especially. Um, I really focus on dynamic movement at certain mm-hmm. points, and then we kind of go through more of a strength phase with rep maxes. We'll push more. Uh, you know, heavier type movements, which I know when you start doing rep maxes, the bar speed's going to slow. And then we really favor bar speed in other ways. So I really try to have an ebb and flow and really cycle volume and intensity and speed. Um, But at the end of the day, if you're moving as fast as you can, you're usually pretty good unless you're Mm -hmm. Ingo who prefers to move really lightweights fast, which there's some merit to them. But here's the deal. If lightweights got people strong, then why would we lift heavyweights? Nobody knows. I would say a structural adaptation. Yeah. you. I mean, it's it's Wolf's Law. You have to keep overloading you know, the, the organism. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you just find different ways to kind of drive adaptation. Speed is one. Weight is another. Uh, volume, intensity. I mean, there's just a million different ways to kind of, or not really a million, more like three or four, but just a few different ways to tweak this. But, and you know, the power clean is just one way to display that dynamic strength, right? So there's... Um, well, the reason being is you can't do it slowly. You right, need, and, and, and but at and some you point, either get it or you don't. At some point, at some point, technique is going to be the limiting factor. Of course, right? Uh, and but there are, I mean, there, plyometrics, bounding, jumping, right, uh, sprinting. These are all other ways to display your strength dynamically. Change a direction. You know, it doesn't have to be a power clean. I guess is was where I was getting to, um, and it just so happens that yeah, getting fucking stronger will help you power clean more. Like there you go. Related question. So, uh, John and I were discussing this before we got here. How come you recommend no touch and go deadlifts? Shouldn't, hold on, (laughs) I know, I know. Shouldn't we want to take advantage of the stretch shortening cycle to get bigger concentric muscle contraction? We use the eccentric and amateurization for almost every other movement squat, bench, press, lunges, plyos. The only ones we don't are the deadlift, power clean, and step up. I can see concern about bouncing the bar between reps and losing position. <laughs> Where is this question? Uh, in an email. Okay. Yeah, I um, I just want to get it. All out right. There. Well, let's. All right. So, what's the difference between the movements that he listed and the deadlift? Well, theoretically. Is the stretch shortening cycle even an issue 
if you bring the bar down and it contracts and hits the ground. So if you're bouncing a deadlift off of the ground, you're removing you're removing the stress and you're reducing the contraction. Yes. Yeah, your muscle will yes. not yeah, not amateurize. So you're going to mute the stretch shortening cycle. Not yeah. amateurize. So he's completely thinking this. Uh, like, this is so far off the left field, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be like, hey, let's do a lunge. But what I want you to do is, as you're lunging, I want you to drive your back knee into the ground as hard as you can. Because shouldn't driving your knee into the ground bounce it off and help you get... But uh, that's the standard. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're wrong. I think you could get a... It's just not the right lift to do it. No. That's just there. You could maybe get away with some dumbbell RDLs. You can get that patterning sure. with a, and hit an amortization there, there's, phase. There, yeah, there's some stuff where uh, we used to do, like we would start at the top on an RDL and then go down to the shin mm-hmm. uh, and then do like a fast turnaround, almost like a dynamic pull. So you yeah. eccentrically load it. And then it was like a dynamic pull into like, a, you know, in, into a clean, clean or a clean pull. And like that was a form of doing like, uh, east or eccentric to concentric um, dynamic pulling, like, but never with a deadlift, but always mm-hmm. with a, a, an RDL from a startup position. So um, it's like the age old dude, like back in the day of CrossFit football, I got this great idea. I was going to program deadlifts and toes to bar. And so we programmed a heavy deadlift, heavy toes, uh, lots of toes to bar. And uh, everybody that did the workout got hurt. Not and, everybody. Callie and I were fine. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and we realized that. Uh, heavy extension with dynamic flexion is equal to back injury. If you can't hold position. Yeah. And it's very difficult to do that. So, no. And I guess for the amateur, there's no reason to bounce the weights. Yeah. Right? Why? I mean, uh, the idea of a deadlift and the reason we do original picks is because we want that dead stop strength and that ability to pull and get into extension so or so to go from flexion to extension but when you grow up and you're doing let's say a set of seven there might be like a tap or two in there but you're not bouncing and slamming right no, that's why i can think specifically when we were we, doing tens but we were using metal plates that's why we never use rubber plates when we deadlift mm-hmm. we always use metal plates and if you're going to do uh some form of rep max and you want to do a touch and go uh, there's never a point where you're bouncing metal plates because they don't. Now, the advent of CrossFit, and we saw big rubber ba- uh, rubber plates, and we watched people doing not a deadlift, more of a bounce lift, or uh, as we used to call it. Like, that's what we've seen, and that's pretty awful. So don't do that. Boom, Tex. Get out the way. Next question. All right, this is from Boring Ben. A uh, couple quick ones. What is your standing on unsolicited help at the gym? John, if I see someone on the highway to Snap City, should I step in or leave it up to the trainers to help? Uh, I like to believe that those that have the power to help have a social responsibility to but help. even at a Globo gym? Well, I don't know. That's kind of like hold the on, cesspool. Hold on, hold on. Okay. I'm, I'm prepping this. Okay. okay. Right? Like age-old <laughs> ordeal, like, hey, you see somebody broken down in traffic, you get out and you help them push their car, mm-hmm. right? So you take the social responsibility to help where you can, except <laughs> at a commercial gym when you observe somebody doing what I like to call fuckery, where uh-huh. they just are fucking doing nonsense. And... Um, at that point, I think you just look, you watch them, 
with a look of horror on their face or on, on your face, when they see that look of horror, they will know that something is wrong and hopefully they walk over to you or they say, hey, how that look? Or how, or how what do the you, fuck are you or, looking or, at or, or, or something you, they or, initiate or yeah. how is that at which point if they initiate be like hey man like I was watching uh, while I'm not the best lifter in the world like here's how you maybe could not hurt yourself so help those that help themselves but yeah now if the guy is uh, wearing a v-neck or you know maybe how deep a, how deep is the v well, deep deep v travel tat yeah I like uh, this guy. what's, a, what's the glitter situation uh, just more like in the upper brow earrings any sort of earrings well, I mean, like those party hoops, or are they studs, or one of each? Spikes, mm-hmm. nails. Okay. So I think at that point, you know, like, uh, so when I was training over at Golds, uh, there was a lady who uh, got some really bad advice on squatting, who was squatting next to me, and as I was watching her, she saw the look on my face, and she's like, "I can tell by the look on your face that wasn't very good." And I said, "No, it's really not." And then she asked me well, what could I do that would give you a better look on your face? At which point I helped her. And the funny part was even like a month later, I saw her and she was actually still squatting well. And I saw her and she was like, hey, thanks. That really was nice. Now my knees don't hurt me and my back doesn't hurt. My neck doesn't hurt anymore. There you go. Segway text. Um, You want me to fill some time? Yeah, look for there. We have a knee question about Mm -hmm. squatting. Uh, If you can find it, this guy has a part two. What is the base level of knowledge for you to join the power athlete methodology course. I'm thinking about taking it just for myself. Ooh, what's the base level knowledge you need? Reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can do reading comprehension and you have a desire to learn uh, about you know physical training and more importantly about the power athlete method, I think that's all you need. Just a, a desire to learn and to be enlightened. Texted, do you know I? this is kind of a sidebar, but to... To write for maximal comprehension, you should target a sixth grade reading level. I read that. I read that in a book. That was sixth grade reading level. Did but you know that? I need to learn how to write at a sixth grade. I wonder, I'd be interested in yeah, seeing, submitting some writing mm-hmm. and then seeing what grade level it's at. Mm-hmm. I but, could tell you. <laughs> it's, it's at night. It's at bedtime. Masters? masters? Yeah. Uh, or beds. Oh, that's a... It's harsh. Um, mm. Hurt my feelings. But uh, yes, it. so essentially we, uh, in terms of base level of knowledge, I, it's almost like entering with an empty cup. Even people that have uh, some general experience will ask them to do the same thing, throw it out, and then take this on. So if you don't have any formal training knowledge, it will be a grand experience, right? Um, we're still going to put you in a position to understand athleticism, strength, and conditioning, and once we establish those principles, those guidelines, then we teach you the power athlete methodology. So the beginning sections are just athleticism, strength and conditioning, basics, principles, and then movement from there on out. And then once that's established, then we lead into programming. So um, essentially, if you want to understand what you are training on, instead of just, uh, you know, I, I get it as an athlete, right? Just being told what to do on train heroic when you hit the programs. If you really want to understand the whys, the hows, and the, the deep meaning behind it, the methodology is an opportunity, and it's interactive. Sure. Right? Each each semester we, we open it up to 100 people, and it's a, a community for you to bounce, uh, you know, your interpretation, questions, things like this off of each other and build a network within that. So yeah, not just on the feed, but, but all, the class, also yeah. if you ever, you know, you got into it and you decided that you wanted to get more involved with power athlete, this would be the first step. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is the, the stepping stone, essentially the first step to becoming a power athlete coach.
joining the power athlete ranks is I think how it was put. I like that. You're welcome. <clears throat> okay. All right. So we're talking to filibuster one. So Tex, find this one and start looking at his lifts. Cause he's got a, he's unblocked Phil, my boy, Phil, uh, Phil has a question on knee pain, John, you might be able to provide some insight. Uh, been having what was diagnosed as, that's in quotes, patellofemoral pain syndrome for a very long time, parenthesis. Been coming and going as I've just pushed through it since December, parenthesis. Uh, it has finally gotten to the point where I'm seeking treatment. I get pain at the top of my patella where my quad tendons attach. And when I flex my quads while sitting on a chair and foot planted on the ground, it feels like my quad's going to rip off the patella. I also have a very tight lateral side of my right quad and my glutes and TFL are a little tighter as well. The worst pain though comes when I kick my right leg back in a lunge just uh, just lower than a split jerk position and as soon as I load it eccentrically, that's when it feels terrible. Any thoughts would be super appreciated. Wow. Um, I'm trying to find uh, some videos of this book movement. Book a consult, dude. Like. Uh, you know, spend the money, book a consult, film some video, let us kind of go through it and start trying to figure out mm-hmm. how to do it. Cause, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, whoa, I'm not, whoa. I'm not yeah. going to troubleshoot this over online on the, on the website. So, uh, just from watching his squad, I immediately see a anterior pelvic tilt initiation. Like yep. Freaking 98% of the world. Uh, so we got to start with that. So that's going to essentially just, uh, set you up for failure throughout this whole thing because mm-hmm. your posture is broken and guess what's got to take on that force right force is always the same uh, throughout the movement it's just where it's distributed that we want to focus so it could be shooting your knees forward causing some internal rotation or too much torque going on there and you can't properly load your hamstrings because your posterior chain immediately is shut off mm-hmm. when you initiate your squat so a technique there i'll tell you right now you you are hitting uh, about 335, maybe depending on just what the video I'm watching, it's going to take an ego check. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to forget about these numbers here and you're going to relearn how to move. Essentially, a dead bug is where you got to start. And we've had people that have come to the seminar specifically with this this condition who were like, oh my God, is that fucking simple? You know, like it's it's an alignment yeah. issue, it's an initiation issue. Yeah. And it's, you, we can, we've smashed this one. Right. So, yeah. So I, I got a sub question just peeking around on uh, Phil's Instagram here, John, you can see this action. Okay. So this is what we've been doing with our, um, belt squat machine, right? Performing some step ups some oh, walks. Guys, guys are trying to do mimic the belt squat by doing banded walks. So yeah, they're doing zombie walks with the band around the belt. So I've been dropping in on Friday, like before any seminar. And I've seen this on multiple gyms all over the world. So, uh, different cities, and then wherever the hell I was last, um, Madison. So from Sydney to Madison, this action has just found its way into gyms. And let me describe it for you. A guy's filibuster one is standing in between two racks here uh, with probably a 100-pound dumbbell, a band on each. He's got a dip belt going on, and the band attached to the two 100-pound dumbbells, one probably four feet in front of him, the other four feet behind and it's trying to pull him down his center of gravity, and he's performing marches and steps. So I understand the attempt at the purpose, but, John, looking here, do you see it accomplishing the purpose? Is this a prudent way to attempt uh, the step-up 
in marches that, that we know to hit on the belt squat? Well, I mean, uh, um, I mean, I could see the application and how they were trying to mimic it. Um, I just, until I did it, I, I really couldn't tell you. But the problem becomes is I don't know how you would necessarily load that to the amount. I mean, to, we're loading yeah, fucking like eight hundred pounds. It's um on that belt squat. I, I just yeah, don't think it's no, enough load. No, it's so, not. It's so uh, and he is holding a sandbag, so that's probably where they think they can progress, but it won't yeah, be. The but same. that's cervical loading. It's not loading at the hips. Well, no, it's not really cervical loading as much as he's trying to like maintain it upright. So he's finding a different way to try to <clears> load it. Uh, like it, to me, it. it until you were actually use the belt squat the way we've used it in terms of how they're doing it with the uh, the zombie walks and the, and the marching. Yeah, you won't. Uh, you won't it, know. It, it, yeah, you don't know what you, you don't, don't know. And this is a segue for another question about a, the belt squat. Um, I'm gonna have to find it, Tex. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, but just just to pile on while while Luke's looking, I, how I saw these individuals executing the step up all wrong. So mm-hmm. they were doing the hamstring curls with a mm-hmm. little plantar flutter kick. So even the purpose is completely lost on this, right? Just cause you're doing something does not mean it's, it's attacking what it's supposed to. So don't mistake activity for achievement. Um, filibuster one, if y'all know, don't know the movement that I'm discussing here, uh, check it out. Any luck, Luke? Uh, I just, I read at a sixth grade reading level and these are all so fucking advanced. Long story short, I remember the gist of the question. I don't know who asked it. Maybe we'll come back to it text while I'm just blabbing. What are the, what are the recommended exercises, sets and reps for someone who just got a belt squat machine? Like how do you guys use it at power athlete HQ? Right. Does it replace squats on some days? Like on some days we'll do a traditional set rep scheme, right, John? Mm Mm-hmm. So we might work up to like uh, usually higher volume on that sucker as well. We're not doing like doubles. No. Um, we might do uh, like three by eights or three by five by tens, five by eights, something like that. And you just kind of. Really, I really like the time reps, and I also really like doing drop sets on it. Like we'll do like ten mm-hmm. reps with, with you know four plates, and then ten with three plates, and we'll kind of take off plates and kind of. Stack but that would also be like when we hit that uh, that high volume, we're doing some sort of barbell before yes. as well, yes. right? So very rarely. The only time that I've used just the belt squat is like after a shitty fucking leg of travel. And I just, you know, I'm jacked up, hips are jacked up and I got to go in and squat. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to fucking free squat today. So we usually get a lot of volume on it. And by far the fucking worst was that belt squat kamikaze. We fucking did. <laughs> was it with, like 50 with, reps or something? Yeah. Well, it was well, 50 about, down, 50 up. What about the MR bicep curls that we hit on? <laughs> that was legit too. So belt squat kamikaze for you guys. I think we, did we fucking film it? I don't know. But um, is basically we we loaded up like eight plates on each side, right? Maybe, John. You do fucking ten reps, and then two of your pals take off a plate. <laughs> ten reps, take off a plate. Ten reps, take off a plate. Ten reps, take off a plate, and you just fucking go until the bottom. You just go, and you get off, and then everybody else goes on and goes through. Then you the second step is going from low weight up to those that fucking heavy weight, whatever we would do. I think it was like we pulled six different, so we do sixty each way. And that was fucking, so that's a good way to use it as well. But that's how you, that's how you fucking, I guess, there's your, your expert's advice on using the fucking belt squat. Tex, next. 
Are you ready to answer Kurt Hansen's question? Uh, yeah, sure. From Kurt Hansen. All right, so go for it. Any updates on the speakers for the Power Athlete Symposium? So we have 12 segments. There's 12 segments, people. 12. Okay? Here's how the symposium is going to shake out. We're going to have two different at uh, on-site segments at the Senesta Bee Cave Hotel. One is just going to be your traditional podium speaker event, right? And then the other is going to be our Talk To Me Johnny live events, right? Where the, it's going to be audience involved, audience Q&A. John's going to sit at the table with the guest, and they're just going to talk about whatever, right? Uh, so we're going to split that relatively evenly. Now, the next type of segment is going to be at the ranch at power athlete HQ, which is going to be practical segments. So why don't I just say who we've got going for those practical segments? Hit it. All right. We have Ingrid Markham coming. She will be running a 50 minute segment. Okay. Simultaneous with Mike Wasilison, AKA move. You is going to be around official official move. You official, not the unofficial move. You, Okay, so he will also be there putting on a segment. Then what's going to happen is groups are going to switch and they're going to get a, they're going to get a flavor of each of those. Right. So you're going to get to experience both those speakers. Now, the second set of fucking practical sessions is what's going to blow your mind. So we got the Ruiz coming. He's going to be out there for, we think, 50 minutes. You, and I, you, you can't stop. I know. But you know who I'm fucking pairing him with? Dr. Tom. Oh, what? Dr. Tom has a practical. No, yeah. these people's minds are no. going to explode. Yeah, yeah. What? And, and like, it, dude, this is like uh, time to bring forth the rhythm and the rhyme. I'm telling you, it's going to be a fuck. And that's Sunday morning. Okay. Now, here's what's going on Sunday morning. This is what I'm most excited about. We have a taco truck coming for after the practicals, and we're got your fucking lunch going to be there. So we got taco truck on Sunday. It's, that's not amazing. Those other fucking things are amazing. Yeah, I'm more excited <laughs> about the taco truck. <laughs> so that's a that's a shakedown for Sunday is going to be uh, people getting in there and like listen. Here's what I'm fucking afraid these people are going to think right now. You guys is like, oh, I'm I'm so embarrassed. I I can't fucking go train. Like, listen, these I I really do doubt that they're gonna, that the best sh- person who believes they're in the best shape, the strongest, the best condition is going to like outperform anybody. This is like a, a lift and learn type session. Nothing's going to be pushed to the limits. You're going to be fine. Except your brain. Exactly. What's, Boom. What's going to happen is you're going to be like, you are going to be exposed to ways of thinking that you did not even know existed. Ways to be coached or even coach athletes that will not, you will, and it's going to be fine for all levels. So don't, um, if you're that guy who just ran a marathon and hurt his knee and can't participate because you're all fucking banged up, don't be that guy. Get in there. Don't be, be that a guy. part of. Be a part of this. Don't thing. be the guy that wears the shirt of the band you're going to see. <laughs> don't be that guy. There you go. So that's what I'll. And then, so there's four speakers right there. And then, um, besides that, we got another. I think eight folks that I got to announce as well. So Kurt, you're gonna have to hang on. I think Kurt and I got our level one cert together at Rogue Fitness in Ohio mm. with You're Andy f- Stumpf as a flow master. Whoa. How fucking worlds have collided. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. How about that? How about that? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Congratulations on your level one, Kurt. 
<laughs> that was 2006, maybe? That was when Andy used to go to 2006? You got a no. level one in 2006? No, 2008. Wow. Kurt, you tell me. I don't remember. You can embellish. Oh, 2006, yeah. It was, uh, the year was 1999. 1999. What do we got, Tex? I got one. There's not. There's no nutrition here, so I'm just going to keep rolling. Let's stick with education as a change of pace. Mm-hmm. And I know we've beaten this horse to death, but it's a good time to answer this question again. Do it. Can you explain the difference between the CrossFit SSA seminar and the Power Athlete Methodology Level 1 online course? Nobody can. It's impossible. It really is. Well, can you... <laughs> Isn't it, John? Would you say impossible uh, or improbable? Like, I, I can't imagine two situations farther apart. Well, can I? Do you, see, I mean, here's, here's SSA. SSA is a, a, a way to take CrossFit, the, the, what you learn at the level one, how to take that system, mold it like a block of clay, mold it. Yeah. right? And deploy it on a small group, an individual small group or large group of athletes to prepare them for sport. So it's 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 anchored and steeped in CrossFit. Yeah, well, the idea is that um, you know, if CrossFit is the sport of GPP, you know, but they what they've done is they've created a, you know, elements of fitness uh, and really taking the idea of fitness and the elements, the training, the familiarity, the wording and translating it into a performance-based mm-hmm. uh, training program for athletics and for sport. Yeah, so, so blending really, kind of traditional strength and conditioning with, with CrossFit methodology, right? It's a yeah. synergy of two, which works pretty good. But what the Power Athlete Methodology course is. Is the methodology of the Power Athlete. Yeah. So there's no there's no obligation to stay, to incorporate CrossFit where it's not due. Like, listen, CrossFit's fine. It's great. The SSA protocol is, is great. But if you want to know unfiltered, uncut power athlete methodology. What was going inside on inside John's brains for the past fucking 20 years. Uh, and then Texamize interpretation and of that. And then marrying that with sources outside of our sphere of influence. Like that's what the course is. Right. And it's going to, you know, the goal is to prepare you not just to turn a key and run a program. Right. Yeah. So it's to understand it. And then yeah. uh, when applying the, the program, you start to see these things unfold and you become a greater strength and conditioning coach. Right. So it's not a two day course. This is going to be uh, a, you have a year to access the information because we truly want you to absorb it, embody it and become it. Mm-hmm. So this will set you up to walk into any weight room in the entire, in the entire world and basically be able to stand with the best of them. Mm-hmm. So or that, at least not look like a fucking dipshit, you know, and you can start to understand what's going on. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's so much more. And it's also the, the essential step to become a power athlete coach. Right. So for us, this is, we, you know, we went around and we talked about all the shit that we've uncovered and, a lot of the research Tex has done and all the people that we've met through the podcast and John's been coached by. And it's like, what is the fundamental information we need for an entry level coach to walk up and say, Hey guys, I'm a power athlete coach. And that's where this whole thing started. Right. And that's the basis for it. So if you do want to fly that flag and that banner, that's where it starts. You don't get to do that with the SSA seminar. Right. So, yeah. And you got to earn it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So and I, I guess just logistically, one's in person and one's online. So the in person, you're gonna we take you through workouts, we take you through training and practicals and hands on. Uh, and this one, you get that you don't get that experience, but you get vert, you get accessibility because this is text. You have a direct line to text. How many days a week? Every day? Eight. Eight days a week. And then you get office hours, live video. Uh, we have recorded video in the course. We have a workbook in the course that is going to be your literally your new Bible. If you are a coach who cares about what they're doing. Yeah. I, I enjoy the, the office hours. Yeah. Because then it's everyone's at their own pace going through the course and then different questions come up at different times and in people's, um, I will call it life cycle, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Just the stage at which they're at. And then we get to discuss it all over the place. So some people are being exposed to things that are not there yet. Mm-hmm. Other people are catching up on something they uh, have already passed but may not have really grasp or understood and communicated the way it should be communicated, you know, simply, mm-hmm. uh, directly. And, you know, with a lot of personality, that was a joke. All right. So, <laughs> uh, I got some quick hitters. If this one's beat to death. All right. Ready? I'm ready. John, you here? I need you here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm listening. All right. So first one, blondes versus brunettes. Brunettes. Yeah. Brunettes. Uni. All right. Um, Winston Churchill versus Teddy Roosevelt. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I'm a big Churchill fan, but uh, I would definitely go anywhere Teddy Roosevelt told me to go. That's what I'm thinking, too. Ted, I don't know enough about it to if, make an informed ghost, decision. If but the, I, If the ghost of Teddy Roosevelt knocked on the door right now and said, come on, we got to go, I'm getting in the car. Yeah, TDR. Yeah, I'm going Teddy, too. Uh, there's a Churchill movie coming out. I'm sure it'll, you know. At Might least, sway opinions? No, it'll educate me on, I don't know, something. But when the Teddy Teddy Roosevelt movie comes out, then we'll know. All right, um, Luke, why did you shave? A lot of freaking people are heartbroken on here. I don't know. It's just, I, you know, we kind of covered it in the beginning, but I'm over it. I was just over it. I, I paid my dues. I had a beard for over an, a year, and it's just time. So it's, you also did not get a full haircut for a year, mm-hmm. and now you're a beard for over a year. Yeah, and now guess what? Fucking- I, that's my next question. <laughs> I don't even want to know. Uh, Packy says do both. Ooh, for the next year, uh, head in, yeah, uh, just go for, hipster or homeless. Yeah, uh, like a true so, fucking so like castaway and, situation. Uh, beard and hair, castaway, castaway. Is that within the grooming standards? No. Happy, <laughs> you gotta, uh, you gotta pick one. If you're gonna have a homeless beard, you better have like a high and tight. And if you're gonna like, you know, have homeless hair, you gotta like have just maybe at most like a little five o'clock shadow. All right, so no. Happy so is that Gilmore. is that the official grooming standards? Yeah, like. You gotta one, have well, like one or the other. Uh, yeah, like, I thought it would be both. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll tell you what you can't have: a quaff. No quaffs. Sorry, Tex. <laughs> Sir, this is it's called a cow lick. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> but I think no. I think for real, I'm going to be a mustache guy for a little bit. See how that works out. Uh, you know, I kind of like that. I mean, you yeah, know, well, I, you know, you're not Tom Cruise or uh, Tom Selleck, and you're not a fireman. Yeah. So and. I guess what's that rule? Every every posse needs one. Yeah. yeah. Fedora. Yeah. And so you're the fedora. Guy. John's a fedora guy. John's a fedora. <laughs> you're guy. the you're the rhinestone belt guy, and I'm the mustache guy. Yeah, I got a bit. Who's kooky sunglass guy? <laughs> what was it? What was the San Antonio party? Who's this guy? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, some guy on a boat 
called out. Oh, you oh yeah, kooky sunglass guy, kooky. tall guy. You got the loud, funny guy. You know. Which one were you? Uh, beard guy. Oh. Yeah. Well, you're not that anymore. No, so I'm not beard guy be... anymore. All right. Um, so Johnny Wad. Johnny, Johnny Wad's for John. And somebody asked, inquired, or Justin Z inquires, if Luke and I were to have a program, what would those programs be called? Hmm. Ah, this is like uh do you, do you know do you no. have, you have an answer I don't I was gonna basically let you answer and then one up it okay but I got nothing um I have what yours would be okay what is it long and hairy hard to carry wad <laughs> wad <laughs> <laughs> uh what do you got for me oh man um uh, it would I'd call it like wires wad or something. Just something with wires. Winers wad? Wires. Wires, John. It's what connects the internet to your fucking, your house. Oh, okay. What training implement under $1,000 has been the best addition to Power Athlete HQ the last few years? Safety squat bar, but we got it for free. Mm-hmm. But if you, so if you had a, a G to burn... And oh, what would, I would kind of, I kind of liked, so hang on. So first one, off. 150 dumbbells? I would say heavy, like heavy center mass belts. Ooh, the center mass Okay, mass. bear with me now. Let's say you kit it this out. You know what I also really ended up liking, John, is that spud strap, that fucking oh. lat pull down thing. Yeah, that thing was epic. And then a safety squat bar for sure. Yeah, see, I think that those three things. Center oh. mass, spud strap, lat pull down, and uh, and a safety squat bar you could probably get for you know for a thousand bucks that'd be a great investment. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, but not, you know we don't have to fucking jank around with that spud strap thing anymore. Want to know why? Because we got a lat pull down. Uh, that's going to be so fucking sick, dude. My lats are going to be huge. Well, here's the best part, too. It uh, has a setup for you to do seated rows on it. Yeah, we for sure. My lats, yeah. dude, my my so, lats are huge as so they are. So now we're training both in a, uh, both? you know, pull and, a, you know, like a horizontal vertical. Or, or, horizontal vertical pull. Mm-hmm. It's primal proficiency. You it's learn about it in the, you know, methodology one course. That you will. All right, Tex, how about this one, John? Tex, would you rather fight one rhino-sized pit bull or ten pit bull-sized rhinos? I'm going to go with the single. I'm going to go with the ten. You're going with the ten? Yeah. I'm going single because I think I can maybe just like jump on that fucker and tire it out. I don't know if I have the. I don't think I have the leg strength right now to kick a, rhino, a pit bull sized rhino far enough to survive. Well, like what kind of pit bulls are we talking about? Are talking about Vinny and Louis sized pit bulls, <laughs> or are we talking about Rocky sized pit bulls? Because uh, Rocky was a hundred, Vinny and Louis are like forty pounds. Yeah. So I'll take ten forty pound pit bulls over one. Ten forty pound rhinos. Yeah, I'll take ten forty pound rhinos because they're right. babies. Okay. And baby rhinos are pretty cute. Yeah, you can just tug them and nestle with them. Yeah. Right. And I guess their spikes haven't really grown. No, nah, they don't grow when they're babies. They but grow you have to assume they have fucking spikes, I think. Well, I know, but what, are you going to shrink them? Like, it's not like you have an adult full-size 40-pound 40, 40 rhino. So, I don't know. Story doesn't check out. Mini rhino. Unless you breed. Mini rhinos? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's mini horses. You ever seen those? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, they're freaking um, freaks of nature. Yeah. But worth a hell of a lot more than a normal horse. Yeah, they're also pretty ornery. All right, John, would you ever release a master's training program to go along with Bedrock, Jack Street, Grindstone, and Field Strong? Say that again. I would what? Would you ever re- release a master's training program 
For what? To go along, like, I don't know, whatever. Ma- like Masters for what? Like, I think. Like Masters o- of the Universe? I think, like, older, older, ath- is Masters like the official older athlete thing? What is Masters? Like, like you know how, like, the Masters in the games. 35 years old. That's the Masters for the games. But I, do you think it means, like, competitive Masters program? Or do you well, think no, it just I'm, means, I'm just, like, old, like, okay, so let's say like my what's, like what's a 60 year old, 60 year old individual. Oh, you mean, like, like, uh, like geriatric type programming? Sure. No. All right, there you go. That was an easy one. Wouldn't you just say grindstone? Yeah. Yeah, grindstone. I mean, that's kind of the the, the reason I wrote that program was yeah. for kind of the uh, you know thirty five year old plus dad who you know uh, has a couple kids. You know, a long time. You know, you can actually go read the blog post that I wrote about that, and mm-hmm. uh, and you'll see where it comes from. But I, I don't know what you mean by masters, like masters of the universe, because I love that movie. I haven't seen the second one though. Did they have a second one? Yeah, right. about Guardians? Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy or yeah, Masters fuck. of the Universe. I'm talking about the way one, back, yeah, the old one, way back, where with the key master. Oh no! Oddly enough, I used to work with. I thought Master. Really? Oh my God! <laughs> Can we please hear this story? <laughs> this is a new story. Hang on, he has to make it up first. <laughs> <laughs> no? no. Okay. All right. So we got a <laughs> we got a question from Rostin, and he says. What's the best thing about living in Texas? Living in Texas? That's it. That's the answer. Um, Is it the heat? That's actually the worst part of living in Texas. The sun? It's... So I actually, you know, you could... It's fucking... Like, I'll tell you this. Like... Like I, uh, I've lived in some hot places. I mean, I lived in Florida. I lived in Kansas City in some hot places, and um, so, so you're it did, you're putting t- Austin above Tampa. Um, let me finish, Budinsky. So I was younger <laughs> when I lived there, and I think like it didn't bother me as much. Now that I'm a little older and I'd lived in California all these years, I think California really softened me up. Because you're basically getting 70, 80 degrees at max all year round, and you're just kind of used to that climate. And then all of a sudden, you come out here, and it's, I don't know, 90 at 10 o'clock in the morning, and then it's 106 at 3 in the afternoon. And you're outside, and you're like, it's fucking hot. So um, the heat, definitely. I mean, if if the weather in Texas was like the weather in California, uh, there would I mean, this would be probably the perfect place on the planet. So, but I have to say, maybe the best part about that is air conditioning, because dude, Home Depot's air conditioning is on fucking point. Dude, you walk into Home Depot, it's like literally like you walking into like <laughs> a, a wall. wall of cold yeah. air, and you like the other day, Luke and I walked in there, and we were like, "Oh god!" Uh, <laughs> and the guy looked, he's like, "Yeah," we're like, "This is great." I was gonna hang out. Like, they, if they had lawn chairs and like drinks, we could have just hung out at Home Depot all day. So in uh, Houston, Home Depots, they got just food trucks outside. So people would go either grab an icy or grab, you know, Euro, whatever's hanging out there and then go do their shopping with the stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was half expecting that, you know, coming here, but no, but business idea for any food truck, Austin folk. Cause I don't know, floors are easy to clean. You can just drop stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, um, uh, Austin's great. It's a great change of pace. Um, I'm, you know, we like, I, I like the fact that, uh, even though people think they have traffic here, they don't really know what traffic is until they go to LA. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if you've been to Houston or you talk about all these other stuff until you've had to sit in bumper to bumper traffic, seven lanes either way, like 
at two in the afternoon on a Saturday. Like you, like it's fucking insane. Like, uh, you know, people are like, oh, there's traffic. I'm like, dude, the only reason you have traffic is because there's a stoplight. Like, get over it. So I think the lack of traffic's really nice. Uh, you know, I definitely like that the fact that we can go to like little barbecue trailers and eat lunch and actually get yeah, some like swimming that. holes. Yeah, yeah. Swimming holes. No, it's great. And, and uh, I don't have to have my, you know, see like, my neighbors. Yeah, farm to market, farm to table meals, I think is pretty, pretty fucking cool. Um, little fucking. Have our own facility without, yeah. uh, uh, without, uh, the fucking, the fucking sand people, sand, sand people, fucking roaming around the zombies. So I don't know if you guys know, but we uh, previously lived in Costa Mesa, and right between like downtown Costa Mesa, Newport Beach, on a beeline, there was this area called the Jungle, which uh, was a large kind of collective of homeless and like street rat kind of transient people that was on the Santa Ana River, and it was, I mean, pretty populated. Like there was, there's probably a few, mm-hmm. you know, thousand. There, there's big population, on, and it's like tent city and. It's a fucking lawless area. Well, there's a beeline. If you were to walk directly straight as the crow flies from there to downtown Costa Mesa, you would walk across our um, commercial park where we, you know, our industrial park. So uh, every Where we day, had the gym set up. Yeah, where we had the gym set up. So we'd be there and the fucking dregs of society, uh, you know, I'm talking like haven't slept in seven days from, you know, just being on meth or, you know, weird things would happen every single day um you know things would get stolen within minutes uh, a guy got his whole boat stolen remember that guy rolled down he's like have you seen that boat <laughs> and we're like what yeah. he's like I had, he's like i had my boat on a trailer outside and somebody stole my boat and trailer did you see it and we're like no but no. we've been here all day we're like it's probably the guy who walked in with the ponytail from the quentin tarantino oh movie God, like that weird fucking creepo I almost fucking killed that dude yeah like all of a sudden the look on callie's face was like danger danger yeah and um yeah. i mean dude like crazy, like crazy stuff like uh i was there early one morning trying to get some work done and this lady was literally doing hot laps around the building and when i say hot lap i mean doing like 90 in the parking lot this is like five in the morning i was there early trying to get some programming done and I hear this fucking car just like, like she's in like a cold trickle fucking NASCAR racing, drifting this fucking piece of shit BMW around the fucking parking lot. And I'm sitting in there thinking this woman's going to hit her building and kill me. So finally she stops, car's smoking. I go outside and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And she like gets out and she's like, am I supposed to meet you? Right now, my mind you, this lady was wearing UGG boots and like a really long T-shirt, which I thought was strange. But uh, come, this lady was convinced that somebody was chasing her and was coming to kill her, and yet she was supposed to meet somebody here that was going to take her to a safe house. And when I told the lady, I'm like, "There's no safe house here." And she's like, "It could it be the place next door?" I'm like, "Sure." <laughs> so this, so she like goes and knocks on the door. It's five in the morning. There's nobody there. I'm the only person. She like drives by and like you know it just was creepy so moral story uh she ends up getting out of there thank god i call one of my cop buddies tell him she comes back call a month later same fucking thing but this time it was like at midnight and the vampires were working and she came in and asked if that was the safe house and they were like dude it's a fucking lady john was telling us about so there's a lot of weird shit. So uh, what I kind of like about Texas, or at least where we live, is... Um, you do that shit, you get shot. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 now now we just have Tom Dye come down and tell us how stupid we are all the time, which, you yeah. know, standard. The best part about living yeah, in Texas. <laughs> Texas is Tom Dye. We got oh. anything else, Tex? Lined up? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I got to throw a, a shout-out to freaking Chef 
Tori Miller up in Madison, Wisconsin. So we were up there. Oh, so Tex, let me ask one question. Um, This one comes from Train 608. Is 141-day dry-aged beef that is then aged in beef fat for 40 days the best way to eat beef or no? Hands down, the best meal I've had in my entire life. That's fucking so this that's cold-blooded, bro. Go hands on. down. So freaking uh, Chef Miller pairs this beef with salmon collars. So I'd never even had salmon collars before, but freaking um, just amazing. And then he just throws freaking roasted vegetables, forms of cheese, all this stuff at us. I had cheese curds for the first time in my entire life. Uh, mm-hmm. So Luke is a northerner and laughed. Uh, Dave as a it's, native but I haven't Wisconsin. Had, I'm telling you, dude, cheese curds is a institution in Wisconsin. Yeah, but I haven't had the cheese curds that you had, which are fucking yeah, Miller, well, I Richie mean, Rich cheese curds. Yeah, like, I've had like, like Culver's fucking cheddar burger cheese curds. Like uh, like the cheese curds that you get at some beer joint in yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, exactly. That's what I've had. Does the yeah. Lantern have Bar cheese food? curds? Yeah, they do. They do. They just happen to be the goiters that legitimately uh, uh, had Dusty fucking... Crackers peels off his wiener <laughs> and throws I, into a deep fire. I legit had cheese curds two weeks ago at the Lantern. Oh, my God. Yeah. The Sunday before I came back here to fucking concrete polish. Yeah. So I learned all about cheese. Mm-hmm. So, man, I didn't know the process, but there, um, I don't know. I don't even want to get into it, but David can give you the whole history. But um, just hands down the best meal I've had in my entire life and just walked into it. Now, did you walk the, away like the stuffed? best meal you've ever had? Hands down. Did you God, walk away stuffed? There's like, there's, oh, were we, there appetizers? Well, it, did anyone look at you? Were they so, looking? Did they ask about me? No, they didn't have time. They was just too busy staring at me. Did you so, breathe? Did you breathe during your eating? No, I, I ate like a duck. I didn't even <laughs> chew it. Uh, just, I, I can't even put it to words. But it was a, a, a tapas restaurant, but then freaking Miller hooked it up. He was just freaking throwing probably five servings onto this. But we could not, Carl, David, and I, we could not leave anything behind. Because this was the best food that we have ever had, mm-hmm. ever. Hands down. So And then uh, did MCK, was he also like, because he's a culinary, he, he's a picky so palate culinary a prince, right? picky culinary artist himself was like, this is amazing. Hands down. So. Wow. Uh, yeah, and Chef Miller, he walked up to the table as soon as we sat down. He's like, I got all these pieces of food, beef, salmon, but I don't know what I'm, I'm going to do with it yet. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to start sending food out and then see what happens. So he just created this freaking amazing dish just by all off freestyle. the top of his head, freestyle. Kind of sounds like when we were growing up, my mom would come home and say, we have nothing for dinner. And then she would just magically come up with crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Except... This sounds amazing. And yeah. That sounds terrible. <laughs> but let me tell you, the freaking, you have to respect, like, this is his life's work, his art, and he's just a freestyle, and you watch what he invested into it, and you got to respect it. So I the can't stand... The best meal you've ever had. I'd, I'd like, you know, you make that statement. Period. And, um, I mean, Luke, can you think of the best meal you've ever had? Best meal? Kobe fucking Tama? Uh, that might be up there. I mean, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of different elements on why that fucking was hilariously awesome. You know what I mean? Like... Just everybody at the table, how we got there, what was going on. You remember um, you were all there. Like that was like the thing I laugh about with you guys is uh, is that that was in the early days where you were like kind of a little nervous, and I was like, seriously, fucking order whatever you yeah, want, please. It's a whole different ballgame yeah, now. Yeah, like yeah, now, season. Now you'd be like, um, do you think more expensive? Can yeah? Can you give me two of those? Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. Um, I think you know, 
best meal, like in terms of like quality and preparation and everything, I can't think of anything that comes to mind. I'll be honest with you, but I, that's not my uh, fucking specialty. I can think of, I can think of a few meals that I've had. Uh, and the only reason that they're so memorable was that they were actually in strange places. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I had a Thanksgiving meal in Japan that was at a restaurant. Um, it was an Italian restaurant where the guy's great, great grandfather had gone to Italy and apprentice like world war one in Italy, learned to cook Italian food, then came back to Japan and, uh, basically had taught his the grandfather the grandson or the the father and the son all how to cook italian and none of them had been to italy Mm. and they had long run out of things that they would typically use for italian food so they had made do with other things like uh, and so we, we went there for thanksgiving and it was um the menu hadn't changed but they had changed the foods so like you ordered something and it would come and you'd be like this is like the copy of a copy of a copy right and it was probably the best meal i've ever had or one of the best. Uh, we also went to a restaurant in, in Brazil. Um, like, you you know, Fogo de Chao and those places, they come around mm-hmm. and maybe they have, what, like maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten dip meats. They had 40 meats at this place. They had snake. They had, mm-hmm. like, the craziest stuff. And, like, we just ate till we were sick. So I can think of some really pretty amazing um, meals that I've had over the years uh, like that. But just very, very memorable. Uh, the Kobe Tomahawks was one of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, uh, the rib, yeah, uh, the smoked rib at Valentina's. Mm-hmm. It's pretty uh, good. Is probably the best rib I've ever had. Like that. that like I want to go there on Friday. That that rib. The only problem is it's hard to eat hot barbecue when it's 106 degrees out. But we can do it. There is a barbecue rib at a place called Reds in Manchester. That was pretty fucking good. But like, not it wasn't the same flavor. But I mean, it was fucking. Oh, in uh, in the UK? Yeah, it was huge. It was huge, and I was like blindsided by this thing. I'm like, in UK, and fucking, you know, Hair Bear takes me there, and that was one of the better ribs I've had. Now, since having that other rib on fucking Baker, um, one, it was good because he bought it. Yeah, well, that's why the meat is way sweeter. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so uh, we went to Harrods. So you were you with me? Went to Harrods? I don't think so. So we went to Harrods, and Harrods downstairs in their uh, big market, and this is in London, has a, has a butcher, and you can go and pick the meat that you want, and the dude hand cuts it and then cooks it right there. So I took the kids and Kate over for, for Uncle Dave's wedding, and we went to Harrods and had this fucking epic meal. Uh, you know. And then actually Dave took us, and Annabelle took us to this, uh, this steakhouse that was unbelievable. So, I mean, um, what else? Uh, there was a restaurant in Japan. Oh, I'm sorry, a restaurant in New York. There was a Japanese restaurant that I can't remember the name of, but the inside, like the roof looked like, um, like an old boat. Like you could see the spines, like it looked like somebody flipped a boat over. And uh, the sushi to this day, and I can't remember the name of the restaurant, was the best sushi I've ever had. Ooh. So there, there's also a sushi restaurant in, in Oakland called Yoshi's. That's mm-hmm. also a, a jazz bar that had um, hands down some of the best stuff I've ever had. So like every time I go through, I can think of certain meals that now my mouth is watering. Like uh, the best of a genre. Or yeah. Like best of, of a. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. Like I don't think I could say this was hands down the best I've ever had, but I can specifically say like, I remember the first time I smoked a turkey on the big green egg and mm-hmm. we went to cook the turkey and like people as they were eating it were like looking at me like this, like, this is amazing. What, what did you do? And I'm like, big green egg. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, but to say hands down the best meal, that's fucking period. That's legit, man. Period. I'm, I'm jealous. Yeah, Dan, dude. You fucking you selfish, selfish son, son of a, a bitch. bitch. Dude owns, y'all could have came. You didn't even invite us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
It's your course, John. <laughs> I didn't I, even know we were having that course. Uh, I thought it was Callie's. Doesn't yeah, Callie run the course yeah, now? Yeah, Callie's in charge, oh, of, she, no, she's, no, she's in charge she's, of CrossFit football. Yes. She runs all the CrossFit football seminars in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> she's up to 32 this year. That's how she lures dudes home. Oh, okay. Hey, I'm going to take you home and teach you the CrossFit football seminar. Go on. How many days is it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Treadwell Hunter. Is Rom Wad good for field sport athletes? Not just for recovery, but also improving your range of motion. I mean, I'm going to... Well, let's... Why do you need to improve range of motion? Well, I mean, here's the deal. Like, range of motion improving... Especially in the terms of we're using it for sport, is an active range of motion, not a oh. passive range of motion. So Ron Mod, uh, you know, is uh, it, actually I really like it. Uh, they went through and put together a series of you know, uh, I think it's a um, Ashanti uh, yoga poses, and they basically got a bunch of CrossFitters thinking that you know doing yoga was cool by getting Maddie Rogers to do a bunch of poses on video. So. Uh, more power to them. I, I, I don't think there's ever a point uh, where, you know, movement is ever bad. Do I think you can be too flexible? Yes. I've observed many, many people that have gone down the road of the supple leopard and have put Kelly Starrett at the top of their Christmas tree and think that they just need to be fucking way too bendy, stretchy, flexy. And you know what? They can't do shit. Uh, there is something called task-specific tension, and you do need a certain level of you know, um, you know, tightness, uh, just know that, or you need to be uh, able to create it well, or control it. Dude, uh, if you are hypermobile or you've moved too much or, you know, I mean, what, what have we always said, dude, if, um, you know, uh, what is it? 